Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It is currently 1234 in Edmonton, and today is the last day that you can celebrate Valentine's Week at Roos Chris Steakhouse. They're celebrating it. Uh, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers now sent you. That's the River Creek Resort or at... Uh, Roos Chris Steakhouse, 99.90 Jasper Avenue, the 99th Roos Chris opened up uh, in North America. All right, just want to read a quick text, and then we'll get to Frank Saravalli. Uh Bob, I listen to a Calgary sports media sometimes to keep an eye on what's going on with our provincial rivals uh, via Sportsnet podcasts, etc., and I'm shocked to hear how often uh, they not only take shots at the Oilers, but the city itself. I find it classless um, how uh, some people would be so vile speaking about Edmonton, and it shows how much worse the trash talking uh, comes out of Calgary compared to Edmonton. I listen to your show every day, and I've never heard uh, you or anybody else at Chad speak like this about Calgary and just wondering your thoughts. Well, I haven't heard it, the comments directly. Uh, I would say that guys that have to go out of their way to uh, continuously put down another city, they're probably lacking ability as, uh, as broadcasters. It's, it's akin to comedians that have to tell fart jokes, okay? So if that's the limitations on your talent, it speaks volumes. That's what I would say to you. Um, as for Calgary, I want Calgary to have the second-best team in the Pacific Division next to Edmonton. I want the Flames to make the playoffs. It's good for everybody if they do so. Occasionally, we have a little bit of fun at Toronto's expense in the show, only because there is a perception that a lot of what, you know, you know the joke, right? How do you change a light bulb in Canada you hold, or in Toronto? You hold it there and have the rest of Canada revolve around it. If you go to Toronto, that is the attitude of some of the people. Some, not all. Some of the people in Toronto are incredibly open-minded and uh, willing to listen to other parts of the world. Now, our next guest is from the state of Pennsylvania, and there's a healthy rival between Pittsburgh, rivalry between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and sometimes it gets, um, you know, a little heated. It comes with the territory as we go off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and welcome back to the show for Horse Racing Alberta. Find the event schedules at thehorses.com. We'll see you at the races. Daily face-offs, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you? Good. How uh, nasty is uh, that rivalry between Pittsburgh and Philly? It, it was nastier. The Flyers haven't been so good for the last number of years, so it hasn't been much of a rivalry. But when it was at its peak in the early 2010s, it was, uh, I guess when I should say it was last at its peak in the early 2010s, it was, uh, it was pretty heated. I remember the coaches going toe-to-toe. Uh, Peter Laviolette and Tony Granato face to face right 
right between the benches and, and the Hulkamania and all, all the different stuff going on. There was a lot in it, and it was pretty awesome. And does the I remember one time it, it was so silly and twisted that the Flyers used to order uh, ribs for their flight home from this place right over the border in West Virginia that Peter Laviolette liked. And once I reported that that's the rib joint that the Flyers would order from, they could no they could no longer sell or serve to the Flyers because Penns fans were unhappy. Really? Wow. Uh, and did the oh did the writers get into it at all, Frank? Uh, I don't think the writers ever got into it. No, um, but it was one of those things where. I don't know. It was always fun and good fun. Yeah, and I think that, and I've not heard the comments that the texter's referring to. I mean, you know, you hear a little bit. The one thing I would say, there's good people working in the media in Calgary. Uh, the markets are different, uh, and all you need to do is look at the, the Twitter follows of, you know, some of the, you know, Ryan Rashog or Mark Spector or myself or Jason Greger, and then relative to the roles of the same people in Calgary, and understand that there's, it's not that we're infinitely better. Certainly, nobody would ever say that about Spec. Just kidding, Mark. Uh, but it's just a reflection on how you know the the market. Like the market is hotter here in Edmonton. The television numbers would support that. Um, I'll tell you why it's different. You tell me. And and this is not a knock on people who are true Flames fans. The city of Calgary is way more transient. Yep. There's 100%. a lot of people that are not from there that end up living there or working there. And it's a, re- a big reason why when you list off the Canadian sports cities, Calgary is closer to the bottom because a lot of the people that live there are fans of another team. In Edmonton, you're born and bred. You, you likely will work there, live there, die there, and you're an Oiler fan for life. Yeah, and again, I want the Flames to be good. I, you know, I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of Todd McClellan's in L.A. He's done an unbelievable job. Dallas Akins is a is a good guy in Anaheim, but I'd rather see for the purposes and and maybe I have a bit of a bias against Americans, Frank. Uh, you know, maybe that's the case, but I'd rather see Calgary and Vancouver in the playoffs in the Pacific joining the Oilers than a couple of their American markets that are they're in the league right now. So, shows, uh, what am I on the short list of Americans that you actually like? Uh, yeah, there's about three. <laughs> Well, I guess, it, I guess it depends on the day whether you like me or not. Oh, see, well, I liked you. I can tell you this. I liked you uh, last Wednesday night. Thank you again for stepping up for us. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, part of what you do, uh, you're one of the most plugged-in men in the business. So what do you think, because we're getting asked this question, people are texting us on the Ashley Fine Flores text line. Hypothetically, what do you think Mike Greer is looking for for Eric Carlson, Frank? <sighs> That's a really tough question to answer. I bet the Oilers are asking themselves that question at this exact moment in time. Because when you consider what the initial ask was, and I believe you were the guy who mentioned it on Oilers Now, three first-round picks in exchange for Carlson and the Sharks being willing to basically retain 18 to 20% of his salary, that was exorbitant then. So now people are looking at it and saying, well, if they're going to retain even further to, let's call it 40% and get him in the seven to seven and a half million dollar range, how much more does that cost? And I would say, given the, you know, given the previous history, the injury history, the cap hit size, the Sharks have no basis in reality for that type of ask. 
that if you look at some of the other mega salary cap deals that have been traded either with term or major cap hits, even with the retainment factor, they haven't been in that neighborhood of that type of player, you know, despite the special season that he's had. So are the Sharks going to be willing to readjust their expectations and value what should be the true addition for them, which is the subtraction from their salary cap? How much of that is going to drive their decision-making process? Because let's face it, if they don't get out from Carlson or buy out Mark Edward Vlasic after the season or start to deal with some of the other major long-term deals that are on their books, they have no prayer of being a competitive team in, in the NHL in the next five seasons. None. And they're going to have to, at some point, cut their losses. And I'm wondering if the way Carlson's played this season has presented themselves with that golden opportunity to do so only if they're going to be willing to adjust down that ass. Yeah, it's really a remarkable situation because I think a lot of people, Frank, thought at the start of the year that they're kind of stuck with him, right? I mean, he's on a, a shooting percentage heater. There are people, uh, Travis uh, Yost has just penned a piece in TSN saying it's, you know, it'd be an unbelievable ad for Edmonton. Um, I, I personally would be a little concerned in terms of the assets required to get it done, and I don't see how San Jose would eat $4 bucks because it's never happened in NHL history with that amount of term left. So I don't know. Time will tell, I guess, in that regard. Jacob Chikrin, what's the latest? I, I don't think there's anything new on the Chikrin front, at least within the last 24 to 48 hours. Obviously sitting out for the asset protection, I don't think there's anything imminent or front burner and I, I think depends on who you talk to. There are people that will tell you that the Los Angeles Kings have nothing going with Jacob Chikrin and are not in the mix. I think there's been something there. I don't know how recent. I don't know how deep or how close it was last week. The, the sources that I was speaking to seemed to hint that it was pretty close. I don't know what the holdups are. I don't know if, if the goalposts change. I don't know if it was related to retaining salary or or pieces involved, whatever happened clearly never got over the finish line. And I don't know that anything's closer. And I would say the same thing with Vladislav Gavrikov. I think the Boston Bruins are the team that are in the driver's seat, but I don't get the sense from anyone that I speak to that they're ready to pull the trigger on anything right now. And these two guys are now just sitting out until when exactly? Yeah, it's interesting with Gavrikov and Edmondson. Like, we go to Montreal, so, of course, we got Montreal media guys saying that the Oilers, you know, he'd be a great fit. Like, two different guys sort of relative to uh, that I've either worked in the past or currently work on Canadians' broadcasts or, you know, in, in that Canadians' market. Now, conversely, George LaRock, of all people, said, don't touch him with a 10-foot pole, too many back injuries, not the same player he was two years ago, a year left in his term. Would he be blocking a guy like Philip Broberg, I got to tell you, I don't have that, like, I'm just the radio host of a show, but for me, Frank, I'm less interested in Gavrikov and Edmondson with each passing day for the purposes of the Edmonton Oilers. If you're going to step up and go get something, get something good, and get a D that can move the puck, you know what I mean? Like, the addition of DeHarnay has changed the complexion a bit on the defense, and the reality is Philip Broberg's come in right now, and he's an enticing guy to watch. He's plus 13 in his 17 games that he's played since since Christmas. And he's I'll helped. tell you what. Go for it. 
Broberg has played himself into near untouchable territory. And I think the Oilers have had to reconsider things drastically with the way that he's played. And, and for good reason, better to find out now than, um, you know, next season if he's playing somewhere else. Um, and so that's been a positive development. And I think you're right. The acquisition cost on Gavrikov is so high that we've seen too many deals in the past, whether it's, uh, you know, Savard going to Tampa and playing third pair minutes. They won a Stanley Cup in the end. They don't care. But they gave up a lot to get him. Sherratt. And then Sherratt going to to Montreal to Florida last year, like that was one they got him and they said, I can't believe we gave up a first round pick for this guy. Whoever does the same thing again with Gavrikov will have this, uh, my guess, the same feelings. If it's Boston and they go on and win the cup, they're not going to care. But if you're the Oilers and you're sitting there and you you really want to be judicious with your assets and that makes sense, if you're going to spend like spend on a, on a curated selection as opposed to just saying, hey, we got a guy and we're trying to appease our market. Frank, uh, that's why you and me get along. Cactus Jack has texted the show. Is Frank Saravalli the Doug White of the U.S. media hockey guys? A Philly guy that acts like he's from Porcupine Plains, Saskatchewan. Great fit to the show. Uh, that one comes to us from Cactus Jack. See, what a, what a badge of honor that would be, the Doug Waite of American media. Like I, like, I always say this, and it's no word of BS. Like, I love going to Edmonton because I feel like I'm at home. Yeah, well, you know. A city of hardworking people that... Love their sports. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Doug Waite and Bill Guerin, uh, when they came here in the late nine, you know, Doug came here, I guess, in the mid-90s, but, uh, and Guerin towards the later, you know, 97, I think is when Guerin got here. Those guys made, they made a concerted effort to fit right in, and it was only, you know what, if we had had a salary cap at that time, and Daryl Cates had owned the team, Oilers wouldn't have lost any. They wouldn't have lost those two guys. They ended up having to trade them both because they both needed to make nine million dollars, and that was a pre-cap world. And Kevin Lowe's hands were tied as general manager when he ended up making those two moves. And yeah, I've actually asked Bill Guerin about that, and he said he never would have left. There you go. That tells you everything you need to know right now. Uh, who else's name is out there in terms of from the daily faceoffs top targets for the trade deadline? Give me your top four or five names. We've talked obviously about. Carlson and, and Chikrin, uh, a bit about Garakov and Edmondson. Who else is out there? Well, I want to ask you about Patrick Kane because I connected mm. him to the Oilers yesterday mm. just in, in pure entertainment value in my trade deadline matchmaker series where I, it was Valentine's Day, love was in the air. I wanted to, you know, shoot an arrow or two and see if it landed. And I really wonder about the idea of Kane and the Oilers. If, if Carlson really ends up being a summer trade which i still think is the case yeah then does kane make any sense for the oilers like if you wanted to make the argument up front a place to slot in um you know a a new addition it it would probably be on the right side yes um and you you could make the argument that the oilers you know might need some penalty killing help or might need a a defensive center someone that can Can they get two guys out of chicago (laughs) i think you could I think when it all boils down at the end of the day between Sam Lafferty, Patrick Kane, and Jake McCabe on the back end, they're hoping to get at least one first-round pick from those three. 
Now, what happens with the other guys? Doesn't doesn't McCabe have a seven-team no-trade list, and wasn't the belief that the Canadian markets were on that no-trade list? Uh, all of the Canadian markets are on it except for Toronto. So Toronto is, is my understanding. Okay. Well, that takes him, that takes him out of the mix. Probably takes him out of the mix, but the, I just said to illustrate the point of well, maybe if they get one for McCabe, they're not hell bent on getting one for either Kane or Lafferty. Yeah. Well, did you uh, happen to watch the Canadians in Chicago last night? I did not. I watched the entire game. The Hawks were awful. I mean, with the with the Oilers game in, in Montreal, Edmonton had chances. They didn't score. Jake Allen played really well. The Oilers, um, the Oilers gave away three of the six goals in that game in Montreal. They deserved to lose. They got kicked in the teeth. The Oilers didn't have it. But Edmonton did generate offense. Chicago generated nothing. Zilch. No energy, no emotion. It was a really poor – like the Oilers were no good in Montreal. Chicago was worse, and Patrick Kane did not impact the game. And frankly, I, I, I thought a couple times he looked a little slow up there. Like that's what concerns me is that hip, right, Frank? Yeah, so is that your way of saying you don't have that much interest? That's my way of saying he didn't look good last night, and I wouldn't give up a first-rounder for him. I don't think he's getting a first-rounder. That's the thing, and I also think it's going to depend on which teams are – how many teams does he present as ultimate options and fits, if any. He may decide to just stay, but would Edmonton make the cut? That's what I really want to know because – the opportunity to play with players like McDavid and Dreisaitl will only present itself so many times. And even for a special player like Kane, who's won three Stanley Cups and has basically as full of a trophy case as you might imagine. 100%. The, the allure of playing with those guys, I would have to think, is looms pretty large. Do you think Buffalo could get in the mix on Kane, given that he's from there? Maybe. Um, and they certainly have the assets and cap space. They don't need a third-party broker. I could see it working. The only thing is I just look at the strides that their young players are taking and I say, maybe makes sense as a rental, but what about committing to him further than that? I'd be surprised. Yeah, and for the Oilers, it would be purely as a rental. Maybe, maybe not. That's where I think it gets interesting. You get him in there, you, you go on a wild run, see what it's like, and then say, hey, Pat, you, you've made $100 million in your career. How about uh, one year, $1 million? Well, you'd have 31 other teams in the league that would offer one year at $1 million. But not all yeah, of them. Yeah, but how many of them would he get a taste of uh, of playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl? Valid point. Valid point. Interesting. Just I'm just throwing it out there. I, I have no idea. It's all going to come down to Kane and what his decision-making process is. But if the Oilers are on the list, which I have a sneaking suspicion they might end up there, would the Oilers consider it? Frank, you're making a lot of friends, a lot of friends here in Edmonton today. And I'm going to I'm gonna uh, wrap this up because you were at the Super Bowl. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, as an American, how cool was it to hear Chris Stapleton open it up with the Stars? Pretty amazing. The whole thing, uh, honestly, the whole experience was unbelievable. To end up there, brought my dad, had some tickets, land in our lap unbelievable seats in the seventh row on the 35 yard line it was the only thing that we didn't get was the result we were looking for well and you got jobbed 
Come on. How do you make that yeah. call? I'm not going to sit here and complain about the officiating. If you can't get a stop in the second half and get your fair, defense fair, off the field, fair, you don't deserve okay, it. Okay, fair enough. All I'm going to say is they didn't call that all game, and then they call it then. It's the opposite relationship with the NHL where they call stuff in the first and don't call anything at the end of the game in, in important games, right? You can get away with Harry Carey out in the ice. So I just thought it was a tough call for like on the Eagles there. And that's Did you see the tweet yesterday? I thought that was brilliant. I really thought that was <laughs> What a Valentine card that was. No, yeah, we're referencing. Uh, G- I didn't get a Valentine card from you. What's up with that? Well, you get us Patrick Kane and Sam Lafferty, and I'll send you one. How's that? I'll yeah. I guess I'll see what I can do. Talk to Kyle for me, which is not much. <laughs> uh, awesome stuff, Frank. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Bob. See ya. You bet. From Daily Face Off. Well, I didn't. Oh, that's interesting. I already know what everybody's saying. They need defense. They need defense. That's what, And you know what? When you're number one in the league in goals for, it's a valid point. You're sitting at 20th in the league in goals against and 26th in PK. I'm going to throw that out there. Brendan Escott, what do you think? 1254 in Edmonton. What if you could, what if you could get Kane and Lafferty in a deal? I'm not saying no to that. I mean, don't goodness, know how you make it work, but I'd be. You're th- you're really throwing it back to the '80s if that's the case. Can you imagine? And then you'd have to find time on the power play for him. Second unit, maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I, I you got to make the money work. There might have to be a third party to take on. You know, half. Uh, I mean, that's if Chicago retained half, and then you have a third because he's only actually making like two point nine million this year. So by the time we get to the deadline on March the third, you're you're probably looking at what, less than a quarter of that. So it's that seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Chicago eats half. That three point seven three hundred seventy five k. So what's it worth to a team like Arizona to eat? You know, half of the, uh, another three seventy five. Is that a fifth or sixth round draft choice? I bet you it is. Hmm. Hmm. Would you give up a couple number twos to get Lafferty? And I mean, you gave up two number twos to get Athens to He played 13 games for you. That is that is. Well, that's a different way to go, right? I mean, you're probably moving three forwards out if you're doing that. Interesting stuff. We are going to take a quick timeout. It's 12:56 in Edmonton. This is Oilers now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 12.59, we go into Oilers Game Day Trivia. It's time. It's brought to you by Pro-Am Sports, located in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail and online at proamsports.ca. Up for grabs, a $50 GC, and most importantly, bragging rights. Here we go. Name the current member of the Detroit Red Wings that was tied for the Edmonton Oilers goal-scoring lead uh, during the 13-14 season. The current member of the Detroit Red Wings that tied for the Oilers' goal-scoring lead uh, during the 13-14 season. You got a Texas at 780-496-0063. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with Brian Lawton.